Welcome to episode 31 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast, coming to you live from the New York City studios. Joe D'Aloisio here. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. I told you so. I promised you, even though the Packers season has ended, I'd get back in the studio. And here I am just a few days removed from the Packers' embarrassing loss to the 49ers in that NFC Championship game. I'm back. I'm here to deliver another podcast to all my loyal listeners and even to the new listeners who are just hopping hopping on for the first time. So appreciate all you guys. But the real reason why I decided to get in the in the studios is there is some significant Packers news that happened on Wednesday of this week. And by now you know it probably. And if you don't, you're not keeping up. But that's fine. That's why I'm here. But two things. One, Matt LaFleur had his season-ending press conference where he spoke about a ton of things. He spoke for about 30 minutes with the media, uh, anywhere between. He was discussing topics such as coaching, who, who may be coming back, position groups, specific players. He also still talked about that NFC Championship game and what exactly went wrong, you know, a few days removed, having been able to rewatch the game a couple of times. What, what went wrong. So in this podcast, we are going to play some of the audio from that press conference, and, and I'll give you my reaction and thought to that. But more importantly, there was some significant news that occurred just a couple hours after Matt LaFleur's press conference, and that was that Mike Pettin will return to Green Bay. Again, Mike Pettin will return to Green Bay as a defensive coordinator. He has earned his a, a third season with the Green Bay Packers. And the, the reason why I start there is because when I had the idea of doing this podcast, and you're going to hear from Matt LaFleur in just a couple of seconds, based on what I heard from Matt LaFleur, I really didn't think that Mike Pettin was coming back. Okay, this was LaFleur's response when asked about Pettin and the future and his future in Green Bay. We're still working through everything right now, um, you know, just trying to evaluate everything like you said I think our defense did a lot of great things um, obviously the last game was really disappointing in terms of our performance it just wasn't good enough especially when you you get to a championship game like that and uh, you know what's at stake and you know just all across the board it wasn't just it wasn't just the defense our offense and special teams weren't weren't up to par as well and uh, I was just disappointed with just it didn't it didn't seem like we had the same energy and effort that we had displayed throughout the course of the season okay again he wasn't asked about the tape or what he saw in that game specifically he was asked about Mike Payton's future and if that's not as vague as it gets I don't know what to tell you because you listen to to, to Matt LaFleur right there and right away he dances around the question He's telling you, yeah, we still have more uh, w- more things to review. Doesn't give a concrete answer. Okay. He then goes on later on to speak more specifically about the defense. And it wasn't so encouraging. And it didn't make you really think that Mike Pettin would be back. Got to give San Francisco credit. They definitely outcoached us. Um, and I, I just didn't feel like we played with the same urgency, the same tenacity, the same toughness. We didn't set the edge the same as we had been earlier this season. And uh, 
you know, it's disappointing because it's not like we didn't know what they were going to try to do. We knew exactly what they were going to try to do. We knew they were going to run the football. And, oh, I'm sorry. And for them to be able to to do that was extremely disappointing. And um, I just didn't think we played with this, the same effort as what I had seen earlier in the season. We knew exactly what they were going to do, run the ball. And they still got completely gashed. Again, you read in between the lines there, first dancing around the question, a very vague response in the first in the first answer you heard when asked about his Mike Patton's future. And then he comes back, he's asked another question a little later in the press conference, and essentially he's saying, we knew, he he's not essentially saying, he literally just said, we knew what they were going to do and we couldn't figure it out, we couldn't stop it. Now I understand that Matt, Matt LaFleur has many responsibilities as the head coach and oversees that, pretty much oversees all game plans. So Matt LaFleur absolutely deserves some blame when it comes to what happened in San Francisco. All right, you heard it in both those clips, lack of effort, outperformed, not the same intensity, not the same hustle. You can't teach that at this point. And I don't think you could teach it at any point. You either want to be there or you don't want to be there. And that is what's frustrating. Is what what happened? How did how did the players become so unmotivated. I mean, you are one win away from playing in a Super Bowl. How does that happen? You see this in the regular season all the time. A team lays an egg. But again, you're one win away from the Super Bowl. There's no excuse. There's no reason for anyone to be unprepared. There's no reason for a lack of effort. You have to show up. And it's still mind-boggling. And I don't think we'll ever truly get an answer as to what happened to this team. And this is no disrespect to the San Francisco 49ers. Because they are an excellent team, and they have a very, very, very good chance of winning a Super Bowl. And this is a San Francisco team that's young, talented, and will continue to be a thorn in the side of the Green Bay Packers if they don't make the proper adjustments this offseason. Because the 49ers aren't going anywhere. And they're probably only going to get better. Then if you can't beat them the way you are now, if you don't make those proper adjustments, you're going to have a hard time beating them down the road. And it looks like there'll, there'll be many more trips to San Francisco if the Green Bay Packers want to get back to the Super Bowl. But I thought LaFleur had a tremendous poker face when it comes to how he presented himself at that press conference to then find out hours later that Mike Patton would be coming back as a defensive coordinator. And if you remember in the, in the recap episode where I talked about the loss, episode 30, I put out that question to the listeners. I said, does Mike Pettin deserve to come back as defensive coordinator? As LaFleur said, they knew what they were going to do, still couldn't, still couldn't stop it. You got to point at Mike Pettin for that. No in-game adjustments. Looked like there was no game plan. That's on Pettin. And it's not like Pettin's been a, a mastermind when it comes to the in-game, uh, in-game adjustments. We've seen it almost all season long where that, that's been a... A struggle for him. Now, there is no denying in his two years at Green Bay that the defense has improved. Okay, back in 2018, his first shot at the defensive quarter, uh, coordinator spot. The Packers ranked 22nd in points, 18th in total yards, 30th in takeaways. This past season, 9th in points, 18th in total yards, 8th in takeaways. The numbers don't lie. There is a clear improvement 
pretty much across the board. Yes, total yards stay the same. But points, takeaways from being in the bottom half of the bottom tier of the NFL to then going to the top tier, that's a huge leap. Now, granted, though, the offseason additions of Zadarius, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, those signings had a significant role on how much better this defense became. You could arguably say that without those three guys, the Packers are probably right around a 500 team. That's how big of an impact that they made. So yes, Mike Patton deserves some recognition, deserves some praise, but he also got some help. The general manager saw that there was needs, went out, spent money, and it paid off. It doesn't always pay off. Specifically in the NFL, we don't usually see teams go into free agency, spend a boat to- a boat load of money, and it all work out. It kind of almost did for the Green Bay Packers falling one game short of the Super Bowl. So am I surprised that Petten is back? Yes, a little bit. But the numbers warrant it. He deserves another chance. But I could guarantee that this is it for Petten. If the defense continues to struggle, or there isn't another steady improvement across the board, or the Packers make a deep run into the playoffs, or they, they get into the playoffs, and the defense is a reason why they lose the game, the Green Bay Packers will have a new defensive coordinator sooner rather than later. Yes, the defense improved with Petten. Tremendously. But they didn't show up and they weren't ready in one of the most important games of the season. And if you go into next season with the same guys, the same personnel on the field, I think the result's going to be the same, if not worse. So the Packers have to figure out a way to patch up the holes, make sure that something like this that we just saw in the NFC Championship game doesn't happen again. Now, another guy that Matt LaFleur was asked about was first-round rookie Rashawn Gary. His injury status, if he would need surgery, because that was a big concern when he came into the NFL. Would he eventually need surgery to repair to repair an injury he suffered in his college days that's, that's been lingering? But also about the lack of production from Rashawn Gary. Who, let's not forget, was the 12th overall pick in last year's draft. You know, I think there is a learning curve for a lot of young players, and when you look at it, you had two pretty darn good players in front of them. So that is something that, again, another area where we need him on the field. And uh, anytime you get a, a first-round pick with with the talent level of him, um, he needs to be out there, and we've got to look at ways to implement him more in our scheme. And also, there's areas that I've talked to him about where he needs to improve upon in, in order to get out on the grass and, and be the consistent player that we think he can be. And Rashawn Gary, his stat line for his rookie season, not, not impressive. But again, also not on the field much. 13 tackles, two sacks. He didn't play a single game more than 36% of the defensive snaps. That was his high. Came against the Denver Broncos. 36%. Now, a couple things there. Sounds like he still has some learning to do, still has some adjusting to do. But more importantly, and when I had Marcus Eversoll on earlier in the year, we spoke about Rashawn Gary and how People were already trying to kind of label him as a bust. We're getting a little frustrated with his lack of production. Or just getting getting frustrated that he wasn't on the field. And Marcus brought up a great point. You're not going to play a rookie just to play a rookie. Especially when ahead of that rookie you have guys like Zedarius and Preston Smith. 
who have been who were absolutely phenomenal all season long. So you can't really blame anyone for Gary's lack of production or or not seeing the field. And I would argue that him sitting on the sideline for a lot of this rookie season will hopefully make him a better player in the coming years, especially sitting behind guys as dominant as Rashawn, as Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. I would hope that the rookie has been able to learn a couple of things, to implement a few things, to change his game, to make him an overall better player. Obviously, we're going to have to see him on the field to make that assumption, to make that judgment. But it's not fair, by all means, to be calling Rashawn Gary a bust. Now, would you like to have more production from a, from a player that you picked 12th overall in the NFL draft? Absolutely. You want to see that guy on the field. But you can't really blame him for not being on the field when the guys above him are playing so much better. And yeah, you may be listening and saying, well, then you should have drafted somebody else and you should have filled another hole. And maybe that's the right answer. Maybe that's what we're going to be saying in a couple ge- in a couple years if Rashawn Gary doesn't pay off. And he's not the player that we thought he would be. But no one anticipated Zadarius and Preston Smith coming in and dominating the way they did. So let's be grateful for the fact that that happened and let's still be a little patient with Rashawn Gary. Now, transitioning to the offense a little bit because he did, Matt LaFleur did have some interesting things to say about Aaron Rodgers, the wide receiver group, and uh, possibly up-tempo offense. So so we'll, we'll touch upon those subje- subjects, but let's start with Aaron Rodgers, who, let's be honest, he's not getting any younger. We don't really know what's left in Aaron Rodgers. And truthfully, neither does Matt LaFleur. Well, I think he's still one of the most talented players out there. And uh, I think it, it totally depends on how long his, his body holds up. I know his, he seemed energized all season long. His, his mind is as sharp as they come. And, uh, you know, it's just his body holding up. And I think he does an excellent job. He's a true professional. He, he knows his body, and he does a great job of taking care of his body. So it doesn't sound like Matt LaFleur is really worried or concerned that, that the end is near, but realistically thinking, I mean, based on what we've seen from Aaron Rodgers, who, again, threw for 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Completion percentage of 62%. Let's not all pretend like Aaron Rodgers is bad. Let's not all pretend like Aaron Rodgers has lost his touch. Is he the elite quarterback that we that we once saw? No, he definitely isn't. But does he still have enough in the tank to be a very good a great quarterback in the NFL? Absolutely. 100%. And at this point of his career, 
into the second half of his 30s, 37, 38 years old. Taking care of his body is going to be everything. In the last two seasons, he's made it through the entire regular season. This year, playing a few a couple extra games in the postseason for the first time in a long time. Realistically thinking, I think Rodgers has about three three years left. He has three years left, and it makes sense for Matt LaFleur to start looking at quarterbacks, evaluating what's there. And I'm not the only one saying that. He is too. You're talking about the most important position on, on the field. So if there is somebody there, then I think you got to take a chance at it. But, um, you know, it's much like in the past here. You, you just can never have a, a, enough great quarterbacks. There's not enough of them out there. So if you get a feeling about somebody, yeah, sure. You, you should, you should uh, take a shot at one. But, uh, you know, that's... That's something that we'll we'll take a look at. We we take a look at that every year. And you'll take a look at it when the time comes. Now, if there's a guy there this year, are they going to draft a quarterback? I wouldn't be surprised if the Green Bay Packers took a quarterback in this year's draft. And if they do, there's a good chance that probably Tim Boyle is 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 on his way out of Green Bay. But if Green Bay were to take a quarterback, I don't think it's early. Don't expect a second round quarterback. I'd be shocked if they took a quarterback in the third round. But a fourth-round quarterback, I could live with that. But this team is too close to almost being there. That there's no reason to try to use a pick in the first round. Use a pick in the second round. Definitely not in the first round. Or the second round to grab a quarterback. Absolutely no reason. And he said it perfectly. If he, and, and if you look at the landscape of the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to win. Look at the Tennessee Titans, who had a phenomenal season. Mike Vrabel was, did an excellent job with the Tennessee Titans. But the Chiefs figured out a way to stop Derrick Henry, and Ryan Tannehill was not going to lead the Titans to victory. You know, you, you think about this Super Bowl matchup between the Chiefs and the 49ers. The fact that the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes has been so special this year, absolutely gives them a legitimate shot at this at this Super Bowl. Whereas with the 49ers, Jimmy G has, has, has played great. Yeah, there's no denying it. He also hasn't had to do much. I mean, has he even thrown the ball 20 times in the postseason this year? And again, kudos to San Fran. If that works, if he doesn't have to do it and you're still winning with ease, then that's your game plan. But if the Chiefs could figure out a way to stop the running attack of the 49ers, then we're going to really learn about Jimmy Garoppolo. Because all the lights will be on him in the biggest moment. Again, are the Packers in the market for a quarterback? They shouldn't be. There's other places where they need to improve immediately. 
There's other positions that need to be addressed immediately. And one of those positions were the, was the wide, is the wide receiver group. There was a lot of good, and there, there's a lot of things that we need to improve upon um, at all positions, not just the wide receivers. But, um, you know, we, we, we've got to get all our guys playing at their absolute best level. And I don't think that was always the case this season. So there, there's more out there for us. Um, and all, all we can ever do as a coaching staff is, is try to get our players to be, to be at their best. And just given the, the great the, the effort um, and there's more out there for us. So again, he was asked about the wide receiver group rather than singling them out, again, very vague, but saying we have to improve all around. Now, if you watch the Green Bay Packers, you certainly know that the wide receiver group needs to improve immediately. And that's probably the biggest need. You're looking at that first-round pick at uh, pick 30 in the talented wide receiver class that's coming back, that's coming out this year. I could guarantee that the Green Bay Packers are going to select a playmaker in that first round, if not try to move up and get the one the guy that they want. And if they want to get closer to the San Francisco 49ers and that group and what they've done, they got to assemble the best possible roster because there's a clear gap between both those teams. There obviously is. I mean, we played them twice, and they they took it to us two times. So that's something that we got to take a good hard look at this offseason because right now they're the class of the NFC. They, they, they've shown it. Uh, throughout the course of the season, and that is a, a really good football team. And, uh, you know, it was, it was disappointing to to go out there and, and get beat like that. Class of the NFC, and certainly will be for years. And it was interesting to hear LaFleur say that there's certainly a gap between the Packers and the 49ers. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers, and this could just be Aaron Rodgers kind of playing it down when asked, the same question about the 49ers saying, eh, we're, we're, we're closer than that. It certainly didn't seem like that in the two games that they played against each other. Now, going back to that wide receiver group, one way to close that gap, not only improving the wide receiver group, but overall just getting more talented players around Aaron Rodgers. Build a roster that A, fits the offense, fits the defense, but you're going to be able to maximize Aaron Rodgers' potential and what he has left. I mean, look at the wide receiver group that was out there this season. Devontae Adams, you can't say anything bad about that guy. He's going to be around, and when that contract is up in two years, he's going to be he's going to come back to Green Bay without a doubt. No doubt in my mind. And if it wasn't for Devontae Adams... I don't even want to know what this wide receiver crew would would have been able to do. And remember, here's a guy who missed four games in the regular season because of that turf toe injury. I think Alan Lazard was a pleasant surprise. You, you, You heard about him a ton over the summer. Packers decided to bring him back. He rose to the occasion. He showed up. He was pretty reliable. He earned that number two spot. For the Green Bay Packers. But is Alan Lazard a true number two wide receiver. 
on an NFL roster? Again, no disrespect. Can he be? Maybe. I don't think we saw enough to be able to cement him as a number two wide receiver. But I'll tell you what, if Alan Lazard was your number three option, well, now we're talking. Now now we got enough around you here. More options. More reliable options for Aaron Rodgers. Jay Kumaro. We didn't see, he didn't get the ball enough to really dictate or warrant a true opinion. What did I see out of Jay Kumaro? Saw some great blocking. He made some big catches and big moments. But it wasn't like he was getting the ball five or six times a game to be able to to really talk or, or, or give a, a, a better opinion about what he can be in this offense. Then you got guys like Geronimo Allison, who in a contract year, you would have thought that this guy would have ran through, ran through walls on a consistent basis. You saw, the, you saw the potential when he was a 3-4 guy, fourth option guy. But man, he 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 literally and figuratively, figuratively dropped the ball on a contract year. He wasn't reliable, and he wasn't good. Got to say it how it is. Can't can't beat around it. He was not good. And MVS, is it worth bringing back MVS? Yeah, he still has two years on his contract. Is it worth even having him on the sideline? Because he at one point was playing 90% of the offensive snaps. And then played basically nothing in some of the most important games of the season. It was as if he was on another team. That's how, how little of an impact MVS had. And then the biggest wide receiver mystery of them all, and I'm sure all all Packer fans would agree with this, adding Ryan Grant. Now, of course, I didn't think Ryan Grant was going to come in and save this Green Bay Packers offense. But for goodness sakes, Ryan Grant couldn't even get on the field. Healthy. He was healthy. Couldn't even get on the field to show what he could possibly do. So I'm still confused as to why they even brought him in. To me, it does it just didn't make any sense. But I don't expect him back next season either. Bottom line, they got to improve. Just Devontae Adams isn't enough. You're not going to have Jimmy Graham next year. He ain't coming back. You got to give you got to give Rodgers the weapons. Look at the two teams that are in the Super Bowl and look at the playmakers that both of these teams have. Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Debo Samuel, Mostert. Speed all over the field on both sides of the ball, but specifically in the offense. These guys could pretty much outrun anybody. Green Bay really doesn't have that outside of Devontae Adams. And one last thing before I let you go, one other bite that I thought was interesting was when Matt LaFleur spoke about the possibility of 
you know, making this offense a little bit more up-tempo? I don't want to say all the time because I do think there's, there's some good in having some variations in the, the speed at which you operate. You know, uh, certainly there's going to be some times where, whether it's a third down where you want to make sure your protection's right or, or whatever. But uh, I do think that the danger of, you know, when that clock starts to get low is those defenders are looking up at that thing too now. And they can kind of tee off. And that's the last thing we want to do. We want to keep a defense off balance. So however that is, um, that's, what, that's what I'm looking for. And so certainly integrating a little bit more up-tempo. And I'm not saying necessarily it has to be warp speed, but um, I think being able to have the flexibility, the versatility to, to jump in and out of different tempos, I, th I think it, it just adds to the element of keeping a defense off balance. I think one of the more frustrating things about this season was how many times we saw the offense out on the field and the play clock go two seconds, one second, zero snap. And maybe they weren't able to be as up-tempo as they would have liked because of the playmakers around them. But I think at this point, especially with the roster that they have this past season, getting the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands quick would have helped this offense tremendously. Maybe they didn't have the bodies to be able to run up-tempo to get guys in and out, on and off the field. But way too many times that we see Rodgers drop back and nobody got open. So either he either got sacked, held on to the ball too long, or just threw it away. That up-tempo offense this season would have would have been monumental for this team. Because another big issue with this with this team was just getting in any sort of momentum. The offense never was in sync. There were certain games, certain drives, but there was never consistent weeks where the offense got it clicking. And maybe it, that had something to do with their struggles on third down, which need, needed to improve. And we saw it improve against the Seahawks big time in a big game, but then it went back to its old ways against the San Francisco 49ers. So maybe that had a huge impact. But I think that up-tempo offense would have helped this offense get in some sort of a rhythm. Help them move the ball down the field. Open up the deep ball. Could have led to more creativity when it came to the offense. I think with better playmakers around Aaron Rodgers... A more up-tempo offense will work. You don't want Rodgers at 37, 38 years old getting hit, getting beat back there. Let him let him get back, drop back, get rid of the ball, move the ball down the field. So yeah, those were some of the more interesting things that I thought Matt LaFleur had to say. Again, he didn't break any news. He didn't say anything egregious, he wasn't firing anybody, hiring anyone, telling people they're, they, they're, they're not good, no. I think Coach LaFleur did a great job in his first season. This is going to be his, his first times in a while that he'll have his second season with one team. He's been chopping around, moving around a lot. You know, you see a team go 13-3 and three and be in the regular season and then be one win away from the Super Bowl, expectations now are high. 
Can he make the right adjustments? Can he, can the players continue to buy into the system, learn the system? If that's the case, this team isn't as far as we as he may think they are from the 49ers. Does the roster need improving? Absolutely. So another strong offseason, another strong draft should help the Green Bay Packers in that situation. Man, it sucks not being able to do a two-week Super Bowl preview and talk about the Packers. But with that being said, it's not all bad. We shouldn't hang our heads that low. And this team's going to be back next season. And there's a lot to be excited for for the future of this organization. So that'll wrap up episode 31 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Like I promised you, I'm going to be back all offseason. I'm going to be here with you all offseason. Got to do a little strategic planning to figure out what kind of content I'm going to deliver to you. But things like this. I'd love your feedback on, on what you thought about with the audio and just reacting to it. If you have any ideas, I'm always open. You know my Twitter handle. I will be back next week. I'm hoping, I'm definitely going to do some sort of Super Bowl preview. I'm not going to open the mic and pretend that I've watched every single Kansas City game, every single 49ers game. Watch them a lot in the postseason. Watch them a lot against the Green Bay Packers. So I'll talk about that. I'll talk about both teams. I'm hoping maybe one or two guests, maybe go with a national guest for a a non-biased opinion of this game. Maybe throw in a Packer question here or there. And then I'd, I'd like to get either a Kansas City guy or a 49ers guy, someone out from San Francisco, if they're not too busy, because I know the Super Bowl festivities for these media guys, uh, it's a little tough. A lot going on. So I'd love to have somebody to to join the podcast and, and break it all down, because it should be a good one. I really think this is going to be a great Super Bowl. Both very two talented teams. I could see it going either way. Not going to not gonna tell you what I'm thinking right now, because then why are you going to come back next week? Eh, that's a tease. That's a tease, folks. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to the podcast if you don't already subscribe to it. We we are available on several pod, podcast platforms. Apple, Apple Podcast Store. Just search Sharp Cheddar, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those great platforms. As always, thank you so much for listen, listening. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always, go Pack Go.